We've now officially arrived at the end of the 2020 NPL season. A season which began back on the 1st of February, believe it or not, with the Football Foundation Cup concluded last night with the first interstate clashes in 17 years. Welcome to the final NPL Sunday Show for 2020. It's Scott and Adam with you as usual. Adam, how are you? I'm good, Scott. How are you? I'm good. It's, it's been a very long year, as we've talked about plenty of times, but we now are officially at the end of it. Oh, like I said, we, we can actually finally have a break. I'm probably all about 16 days, but uh, yeah, like I said, a, a bit of a break anyway, at least at least for the um, for the local players, you know, they don't have to sort of worry about pre-season until at least the new year. Absolutely, about 15 days until the A-League, such as I'm sure we're both very much looking forward to, and I would definitely, if I was a player, be saying, yeah, I'll see you after Christmas, coach. <laughs> especially, especially the players that took part in the uh, festival of football. Absolutely. Well, we'll talk about the festival of football now. We'll go through the two games played last night between Queensland and New South Wales. We'll talk about the men's game first. We'll talk about the women's later on. We'll save the the good news story for the end. We'll start off with the men's game. And it was a two-all draw after 19 minutes. Jez Lofthouse and Harrison Sawyer on the scoreboard for Queensland. And that, that wasn't enough, Adam. Yeah, look, uh, look, it was a high standard football. And I think, you know, welcome back to, you know, interstate football after after 17-year hiatus. And, um, and yeah, look, I think... Uh, I think first of all, I think all the players, the coaches, everyone sort of that should be immensely proud of putting on a show. I think it was it was a, if if there was any sort of you know uh, doubt about where this concept would would work or not, as far as at least on the pitch action, um, I think we, a lot of attention went to a number of players last night about you know their potential futures. I think it was up on their stage you know last night you know in this game. But yeah, two all draw uh, couldn't be separated after ninety, and it went to the lottery of the penalty shootout. It did, we'll get to those later on. It was a two-all draw, as you mentioned. I mentioned that Jez Loftus and Harrison Sawyer on the scoreboard for Queens, and an own goal let New South Wales back into the game for the first goal for them. And, and former Raw player Charles Lockerlingoy popped up in the 92nd minute to get a late equal to force those penalties, which we'll talk about later. But it was an absolutely fantastic start for Queensland, Adam, with Jez Loftus scoring in the first couple of minutes of the game. And it can only be summed up as Jez Loftus does what Jez Loftus does. Yeah, look, that's the thing is, uh, and I guess the, the coverage, you know, the MPL TV coverage, you know, may have introduced um, a lot of viewers to, you know, the, the phenomenon that is uh, Jez Lofthouse. Um, but after two minutes, the, the, just the, the way he took that goal, you know, he, he gave uh, right back, you know, Taylor McDonald, you know, nightmares to at least for 75 minutes before so he came off. Um, and, then, and yeah, like I said, it was just the classic, you know, yeah, you know, so show show the line, then cut back with his right foot and just you know rifled at home. Um, look, you, you're not going to find a better strike, you know, in Australian football than, than that. Um, especially sort of you know, with rain teaming down, it was just yeah a sensational start for Queensland and really got the crowd going. Obviously, we've seen Jess Lotus do that plenty of times. I remember one of the goals back a couple of years ago. I think it was down at um the Raw Youth's old training uh, playing facility down there in Logan. We put it right into the top corner from a very Similar spot, so we know he's got a great shot on him. And you're right about the fullback, Talon Don. He would have he had a rough night because Jez Lofthouse was on absolute fire last night. It wasn't just with that goal; he won the assist for the penalty later on. But just in general, his play was absolutely dynamic. Yeah, look, um, we sort of, we sort of always have said that you know Jez Lofthouse he can be a big game player, and last night he showed that. And it wasn't just the goal, and then sort of he disappeared. He was you know, a constant threat all night um, for Queensland down that left wing, and uh, and yeah, look, uh, obviously he's a, a rave reviews, especially from a lot of uh, a lot of sort of you know, commentators sort of you know on social media and whatnot that watched the game last night. So the question, you know, why isn't he in the A League? But uh, look, I think at the end of the day, we and we've we've covered um Jess's career for a number of years now within Queensland. And look, it's a case of I think it's okay. I've always said that you know not every MPL player is you know so desperate that they that you know give their left left and right foot to be an A League player. I think with him, I think I, he's going to wait until the right time. And look at the moment, it's up to him. I, I think he's that scary talented. It's almost frustrating at times, you know, seeing a, a talent like that, you know, just play in, in the NPL. And we're, we're, you know, we're thankful. I'm sure Ben Khan and Olympic are grateful that he hasn't made that jump yet. But look, uh, he's certainly one that could easily make step if he plays like he did last night. You know, you, it justifiably, people can start asking questions. Why have not more clubs, you know, sort of been banging down the door asking, you know, ask for a signature? Absolutely, and you, we saw last night and for the last few years in the MPLP, we've seen the talent that Jez Lofthouse has, and you can see what he could bring to a professional side in, in the A-League or anywhere else he wanted to try his luck overseas somewhere. You could see what he could bring, and you're right about the frustration, because you watch him and you think, he could play at that level, but it just it just does he want to play at that level, mm-hmm. and that's the real question that he needs to answer, because if, if he did want to play in the A-League, I'm sure 
there would be a host of teams who would be banging down the door to get to get the chance to talk to him about signing a contract with him because it's not just last night or in the MPL of the last couple of years. It's also the FFA Cup. When Olympic have been in that competition the last couple of years, I remember Bayswater City. I think he had a, I think he scored and had an assist that night against them and had another great game. So he's well and truly shown not just Southeast Queensland but the whole country what he can do. And it's just, it is a bit of a shame he hasn't jumped to that next level yet. But maybe he just doesn't want to. To your point. Yeah, look, and that's the thing is, is that it's not like just Loftus been a secret. You know, I know uh, Joey Lynch down uh, in the media down in down Melbourne. Uh, when whenever he writes his um, his annual sort of you know players to watch, you know, in the FFA Cup from the you know federation member federation clubs, Jez Loftus is one of the top top names that are always sort of you know brought up there. So again, yeah, it's no it's no secret. But what we what we've been privileged to see the last couple of years, um, it's just yeah, I, I don't think it's a matter of the clubs not trying again. I think it's been his call that you know he he's been either waiting for the right opportunity or you know has chosen at this moment to stay say law to Olympic and say law to um, the Queensland National Premier League, which, you know, we've just got to be thankful for. I think he's certainly aided his development, all that playing. I think there's something in that in terms of playing regular football at a young age, regardless of the level. He's certainly improved his game year in, year out. We'll move on now, Adam, to New South Wales' first equaliser in the first half. And this came against the runner play to a fair degree. And it was a cross in from the left-hand side, which I think bounced off the crossbar. And unfortunately for Queensland, Lockie Hunter couldn't quite claim it cleanly. Yeah, look, it was a fortuitous cross by Chris Price uh, on that uh, down the left wing. And look, for all intents, it looked like it was, it was a cross. And then, yeah, just Lockie Hunter just so, I guess he lost bearings. It sort of dropped in that really awkward spot where, you know, it was the choice of where to catch, to, to, to push over the crossbar or, you know, punch out. And it's just in, in sort of in very miserable conditions as well. It was sort of, it was raining pretty steadily at that stage. And he just, yeah, he just lost it and just, it just, uh, bowled into the back of the net. So, um, yeah, it was just one of those unfortunate ones, which is a shame for Lockie Hunter because, you know, he, um, he all season, you know, at for Olympic has show, shown, you know, how, how, you know, how stable is and how sort of, you know, company he has been as, you know, a keeper. You sort of don't worry about that. Yeah, a couple of times last night, he did look a bit shaky, but look, might put that down to the very, very sort of tough conditions that the, uh, that both teams are playing under because uh, even, even uh, the New South Wales uh, keepers of, um, David Brasevich and uh, Nina Vekic as well. They they had a few sort of you know interesting moments as well. Yes, it was certainly a very difficult night for goalkeepers last night at Perry Park, given the weather, which became went from inclement to monsoon, depending on which part of the game you're talking about. It was <laughs> pretty much ever-present rain last night. Good to get both games through, actually, in the end, but it, that certainly didn't help him. We'll move on to the second half, Adam. And Queensland did take the lead with about 15 minutes to play once again. Harrison Sawyer stepped up from the penalty spot and scored once again. We know he's got a great record from the penalty spot, and... It was just Lothar winning it. And I think at that point, I was, I was certainly quite confident Queensland were going to win the game, Adam, in 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a, it looked like a game that, you know, there was going to be, because, again, we, we talk about sort of tough conditions. Both sides sort of, you know, they were creating opportunities. Um, Leroy Jeans had come on. He was causing you know, absolute nuisance. He yeah, hit, hit the woodwork. Um, you know, that could have potentially put New South Wales in front. But, yeah, uh, a penalty shout, you know, that was given. And, uh and yeah, a correct call by referee Zach Keenan, and uh, and yeah, Harry, Harry Sawyer, you know, yeah, no problems dispatching it, and uh, yeah, you would have thought at that stage, uh, yeah, Queensland probably had the sort of strength to be able to hold out. Absolutely, I mean, this is a part of the show we do need to give New South Wales a bit, give New South Wales a little bit of credit here. Right about Leroy Jennings, he was absolutely dynamic coming off the bench. So was Alec Gurusewski. The two of them, when they mm. did come on, there was a bit of a fit, ten to fifteen minute spell there where New South Wales did look quite dangerous, and it almost looked like the, those two were the, the better attacking combination because when they came on, they changed the dynamic for New South Wales greatly. Yeah, look, and then um, sort of, yeah, then obviously then with, because of the interchange rule, and then Charles Lockerlingoy coming back on, you know, for the final sort of, you know, a few minutes, and we'll talk about that in a sec, but um, yeah, look, I have to say, yeah, Leroy Jeans, um, if you sort of were watching sort of social media, uh, Football Queensland was sort of, you know, spooking up, you know, the credentials of uh, Jez Lofthouse. But uh, Football New South Wales were talking very, very uh, highly of Leroy Jennings as well. So it's good to see these young players, obviously, yet, you know, those who are in the know, sort of really sort of pushing the barrel. Because he, he was very good when he came on. And like I said, he uh, had, had a chance and, you know, was sort of creating sort of a few issues. And now uh, Axel Rusevsky the other one that, you know, really sort of, you know, came on and, you know, and it really sort of made a tense finish. And I guess the penalty, in a way, was a bit of the, um, the circuit breaker as far as what, what was looking like going to be sort of, you know, a stalemate. Absolutely. And you're right about seeing guys like Leroy Jennings and players like that 
sort of names that you see on national youth league rosters over the summer, and you might you might see them play once up here in Queensland when they play the Raw, if they do, and that's been a while since the New South Wales teams have come up here in the Y League. So it's been a while since I've seen yeah. all of these young players and. To, to see what they've grown into in the last years is quite good, and I thought that there were a few really good players on the show. I thought that Leroy Jennings was the standout player for New South Wales, but it was Charles Lockerley, as you mentioned, who did get the equaliser in the 92nd minute, second minute of stoppage time. It was from a corner, and it was a header at the back post, which gave New South Wales the all-important equaliser, which forced it to penalties, Adam. Yeah, look, uh, come for the hour, come for the man almost. And uh, look, we have, we have we have seen a little bit of Charles Lock and Lingoy. Um, he, he was contracted to the Raw um, and also as well as time for Sydney FC. Um, but yeah, he, he came on and, you know, and was able to you know, climb the highest to head home, you know, in the in the 92nd minute, which uh, which yeah, sent the game uh, to Sochi. And it was a very, very well taken header. Like, once, once it made contact, um, it was never in doubt. And look, Lockie Hunter had no chance. Absolutely, it was a very well-worked set piece from New South Wales. It's almost like they practiced it, Adam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And obviously, they, they obviously, to the very end, um, they, they figured that they were, they were going to be a chance. Because even, even when they went behind, um, it wasn't like the heads had dropped or anything like that. It was like, okay, this is a setback. We need to work it work ourselves out. And I think that's where you've got to give credit to Luke Wilkshire on um, you know, the, the, and the coaching staff for New South Wales. Because, yeah, they could very easily, in those conditions, and uh, sort of having fought back once, with, with sort of, I guess, a fortuitous goal to equalise once. You sort of, the cool question said, you know what, uh, it just is not their night. But they really sort of pushed hard, they pushed forward, and, yeah, it, it, they got they were rewarded uh, very, very late in the piece. No, you're absolutely right about that. It was a very difficult game for New South Wales. They had a lot going against them. They had to travel on the day to get up here. They had a a crowd against them. They had weather conditions which they probably wouldn't have thought were ideal for them. They had an early goal against them. They conceded a penalty in the final 15 minutes to go 2-1 behind again. And they kept pushing forward. And they ended up carrying momentum with that late equalizer into the penalty shot, which helped them get over the line. It was a 4-2 on penalties. Urusevsky, Wada, Trafiro and Lockelingoy all scored for New South Wales. Glenn Trafiro, the captain, the only player to miss for the, for the visitors. For Queensland, my, Steve White and Harrison Sawyer found the score sheet. Tom Strickland and Captain Michael Thwaite did not, made it 4-2 on penalties for New South Wales. And this was, as much as it was disappointing from our point of view, there were some really, really cold clinical penalties from New South Wales to, to get over the line here. Yeah, and look, at the end of the day, with, with penalties, you sort of, yeah, other than sort of, you know, you know them, them lifting the uh, the Gib Masters Cup, uh, other than that, look, at the end of the day, you can say, you say that it was a game that, you know, where if, if it was a league game, you'd say both, point, both clubs... Yeah, both teams, you know, sort of, they, they deserve to point out of it. Because it was one of those games where you could say honours even. But, you know, obviously when there's a cup on the line, you need a winner. And um, look, until until otherwise proven, it's the only way really to, to get a definitive winner on the night. So, look, you're right. Uh, it did look like that um, New South Wales may have, uh, may have sort of, you know, had a uh, practice or two or at least has some very, very uh, competent penalty takers, you know, in their side. And I think they got it right as far as, you know, the selections, as far as who was going to take the penalties in the event that would have happened. Whereas I think, yeah, Queensland, maybe they sort of figured they need to win a 90. And, um, and yeah, and so we're, we're, we're hoping they didn't go to penalties. Perhaps. It was only Giorgio Speranza, the left back from New South Wales, to miss for them. And I, look, I, I kind of think Queensland did pick the right players. I've seen Tom Strickland take penalties before. Hmm. I've seen Sawyer took one earlier in the game. I've seen... Steve White take them for Olympic from now until again. So I, I don't think it was so much it was the wrong penalty takers. I just think it was more Nana Vekic in goal for that shootout was absolutely unbelievable. He was able to get his hand to a couple of them. And unfortunately, Lockie Hunter was not able to. Yeah, look at that. And you're right, actually, to, to your point that, uh, yeah, generally it's this situation you always, you know, especially when the uh, when when a team scores four penalties, uh, four out of five, um, and there's two that, you know, that's two that's saved. You've got to, you've got to give credit to Nino Bekic, the uh, the goalkeeper. Um, yeah, look, he was too good. Look, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it is potluck in the end. It's not to say, oh, that you know Tom Strickland or Michael Thwaite that they that they failed or anything like that. It's just this is the nature of the beast. Um, look, you know, both, both those players, you'd almost say, you know, give them the chance the chance again nine out of ten times. Yeah, you know, they probably make their penalty, but it's the one time that matters. So. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, I, I look at um, circumspectly that, you know, it's a um, it, it's a penalty shootout. It's it's going to be luck, um, you know, many variables. And that, you know, well done uh, to New South Wales. And they, they take the cup home with them. 
That's it. And it's not like they were bad penalties either, particularly hmm. they were decent penalties. And on the Queensland side with Lockie Hunter, it's not like he wasn't reading the penalties. It was just that they were that well placed. Yeah. He couldn't get to them. There were a couple where he guessed right and was right there, but just could not quite get his outstretched arm to them. Yeah, and that, that's exactly it. And that's, um, yeah, obviously, you know, they had some very, very good penalty takers. And he did, he did, um, also, I think this Ferenza one, I think, hit the post, I do believe, if I yes, remember correctly. Yeah, so even, even, so Lockie Hunter, you know, was, was lucky on that one. But, um, but yeah, look, at the end of the day, as I said, Penalty shootouts, uh, it's the nature of the beast that, you know, there's going to, there's going to be uh, luck involved. There's going to be winners and losers. And at the end of the day, but over the balance of the 90, uh, 90 regulation minutes, um, at the end, of, I think it was it was an excellent game of football. I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, would walk away, you know, saying, you know, they, they, were, they were thoroughly entertained. Absolutely. New South Wales do regain the cup for the first time in a very long time. It was Queensland who won it back in 2003. The last time the game was played. So now New South Wales, they will hold the cup. Hopefully we'll replay it again next year and Queensland can get their shot at redemption. Now, after the game, we caught up with the coach of Queensland, Ben Khan, and the captain, Michael Thwaites. Let's see what the captain and coach had to say after last night's disappointment in the penalty shootout in the State v. State clash. Coach of Queensland, Ben Khan, Ben, thanks for talking to us. No problem, good to be here. Not a great result for your side, but it's some really good football play tonight. Yeah, look, I, um, you know, re- really happy with uh, the brand of football we played, and you know, in, in four sessions, which is which is a really short period of time to bring a group of new players together. I thought we um, thought we represented ourselves in Queensland and our league and our proud clubs really well. I thought the football was great, and we did some really good stuff. And in the end, we were probably a bit unfortunate not to win it, but you know, penalties is penalties, and, and it is what it is. We'll focus on the pause. It's a great start from you. So, what did you say in the dressing room to get the boys fired up? Because it seemed like it worked a treat. Yeah, we we um, we. We, we uh, pulled on the heartstrings a bit, and we uh, we went down the emotional path. And we, you know, we've had so much support from people past and present around Queensland. Uh, you know, asking me to explain to the boys how important it is to wear the shirt and how proud they need to be. And um, we, we talked about taking on that responsibility today, and in all moments of the game, making sure that we did it with pride. And, we, and, and uh, yeah, we started really well. Uh, we talked about the history as well. Obviously, it's uh, I think 130 years since the first game, and uh, we, we spoke about trying to trying to get ourselves on the right side of the history books. But unfortunately, uh, we'll be that will be will be long forgotten. <laughs> I'm sure it's 2-1 up. You were confident you'd hold that result, but I mean, just to. The atmosphere here tonight must have been unbelievable to have a whole crowd behind you. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, even even with the weather and the, you know the threat of the game potentially being called off and the threat of storms coming through, uh, the atmosphere was great. It was so good, and the noise when we scored and every time we won a tackle and put a good passage together was it's amazing to see so many people uh, come and support Queensland and get behind us. And it's a, a great event that I'm sure will continue to be successful for years to come. I was going to ask you about the concept at all. Do you think it's a concept that can really kick on over the next few years and become something that becomes a real staple of the Australian? Yeah, fantastic concept. Um, obviously, the challenges around this year with the length of the season, and you know, a lot of you know players, coaches, everybody was was really tired and really fatigued, and uh, the, the length of the year obviously contributed to that. But in, in terms of moving forward, everyone enjoyed it. Everyone was passionate about it. The people came out and supported it, and I think it's something that if it's if, if you know if it continues to go ahead, will only grow and gather more support. How do you find working with a whole bunch of really talented players across the league that you've gone up against week in, week out over the regular season? Yeah, amazing actually. Yeah, it gives you gives you a chance to to look in detail during training at what players do that sometimes you, you don't always get that access to. Um, and it's a really really good challenge as a coach to, to bring a group of people together that uh, uh, you know two weeks before or a week before were competing against each other and, and fighting to you know <laughs> stop the others from doing well. So to bring them together was great and uh, there's uh, no doubt in my mind there's a lot of unbelievable talent in Queensland and I, I guess the sad thing for us is there isn't a second A-league club and there's such a, a lack of opportunity for some of these players to go on and get promotion or whatever it might be and, and I guess as well as events like this uh, it's something I, I'm really passionate about and I would love to see is, is more pathways and whether that's a second professional club or uh, an open an open tiered system, whatever that might be. I think we saw tonight that there's there's a lot of players that can, can do a lot of really good things. The most certainly the final question, what does it mean to be the coach of Queensland for the first time in 17 years as, in this concept? It must yeah, mean a lot to you. Well, I said, I said to the players before the game, uh, not to be fooled by the accent, my mum was born and raised in Queensland and her parents were born and raised in Queensland and so were their parents. So all the way back to my great-grandparents, uh, I've got Queensland blood and um, 
uh, not just in terms of representing the state, but in terms of representing a league. There's a lot of good players, a lot of good clubs and a lot of good coaches, and I'm re really honoured, and it's been a great experience to take that on and take the responsibility of taking the state forward. And I, I, uh, I only you know, apologise to everyone that we didn't get the result, but I'm, I'm confident that we did everybody proud. Next year. Yeah. I'm lucky to not be on a great season, nevertheless. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. I'm talking about the captain of Queensland, Michael Thwaite. Michael, thanks for taking time to talk to us. Yeah, no, my pleasure, my pleasure, yeah. Some great football from the side side, but it's unfortunately not quite we get the job done on penalties. Yeah, I guess it come down to the last action, uh, 90th minute, and then um, their replacement came back on and scored the winner. Um, yeah, it's just kind of dealing with those moments and, and obviously scoring goals with pens. Unfortunately, I missed mine, so I uh, take responsibility. Were you confident in that last time you would hold them, hold them out? Because it seemed like Queensland were well on top in the last few minutes as well as the whole game in general. Yeah, look, look, to be honest, I'm very happy with the way we played. And, you know, we only had, you know, four sessions together. Um, but everyone was really connected tonight. And it's exactly how Ben wants to play. And uh, I think we should be play, uh, proud uh, how we played. We won't dwell on the penalties. What was it like to play with such a talented group of players and you play up against every week in the NPL? It was good. And, you know, in my opinion, you know, as a 37-year-old, there's, there's some great up-and-coming players. And, and for sure, there's a, there's a few that can play in the A-League. That's, that's, that's for sure. Were a few players leaning on you for your experience tonight, given you've got the international experience from Australia back in the day as well? Oh, what's that, sorry? Well, looking to you for experience tonight out there. In terms yeah, of, of course. Like it's, It helps to have experience in the core. Um, but for me, it's like a breath of fresh air, seeing the young players, um, you know, like Jez Lofthouse, uh, Steve White. Like they're, they're just smooth players. Like just uh, they, they, they needed a, a chance in the A-League for me. And a great atmosphere here as well tonight at Prairie Park. Great, great atmosphere. I think you know the women. The women got up. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't. We lost on penalties. So that's that's football. That's life. And um, but yeah, like, great to see. You know, like I, I grew up supporting the, the Brisbane Strikers as a child, and uh, that's why I wanted to be, become professional. So it's a great to always play at Perry Park. Absolutely, it's great to always be here at Perry Park. And is it this is a concept you think can really kick off in the future years? This state versus state concept. Uh, for sure, I hear that the next one will be in New South Wales and then um, alternate years. And uh, you know, for as I said, like for the best players in, in Queensland and New South Wales to represent their state, um, you know, you, you hear the history now um, together with that. And I'm glad it's starting uh, to, to become an initiative with uh, Football Queensland and Football New South Wales and, and Australia. Do not know Queensland win the next one? But hard luck tonight, but congratulations on a good season. Yeah, yeah, that's, as I said, um, unfortunately I missed the pen, but that's, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's, you've got to take the loss and, and give credit to New South Wales for coming back. Cheers. Thanks, no worries, yeah. So was the captain and coach of Queensland after the clash against New South Wales in the men's game last night. We'll move on now, Adam, to the women's game, which was played earlier in the day. And it was just, the weather was just as bad, unfortunately, for that game as well. But this was a game which Queensland were able to get a, get a win in, Adam. It was the same result, two-all draw, 5-4 on penalties. And this was, a, this was an absolutely fantastic clash. Yeah, look, um, the men's game, you know, obviously, we, it's really hit expectations as far as what we expect from the from uh, their clash. But this women's game, um, it exceeded expectations. It was a fantastic game of football. Um, again, like the men, uh, even sort of more so in emphasis, the yeah, you know, the players, the coaching staff should be very, very proud of um of their achievements. This, this was a really, really good game played in a, a very good, but you know, a very fierce spirit um and and yeah look uh, at the end of the day again two all probably suggests there's nothing between two sides and it really came down to you know one one moment of brilliance that sort of you know, decide this result and for um queensland to be lifting the watson o'connor cup absolutely they retained the watson o'connor cup and it was two goals from shay connors and one in each half of the game new south wales got their goals through mcnulty and jasnos in about a five minute stretch at them for two just kind of flipped the game on its head but we'll go right back to the start and it was a fantastic start from Queensland. It, was, it took until the 26th minute to get the goal through Shea Connors. But the front three of Bella Habuda, Connors and Tegan Riding, they were absolutely fantastic. And there could have been a couple of goals even before that. was a couple of good chances for Tegan Riding in the six-yard box, which she wasn't quite able to convert. Yeah, look, I'll actually go as far as saying that that right-hand side of... Um, you know, of, of Cannon Clough and uh, Bella Habuda. It made an absolute nightmare for Rachel Sutar on that on that left uh, left back. And they, they were just absolute dominant. The, the attack was just streaming down what was the, you know, the stand side of the ground in the first half with um, with uh, Queensland attacking to the south of the ground. Um, but yeah, look, that front three um, of of Habuda, um, Connors, and who ended up getting the goal, and Tegan Riding. Look, Dave, that was sublime in the first half an hour, even after the goal. It threatened to be a few more. And they could have, if they had 
had taken their chances, they could have actually almost blown New South Wales out of the water before half time. It certainly looked that way, didn't it? And you're right to bring up Cannon Clough because she had a massive impact down the right hand side overlapping as well. As well as the midfield, you have Rie Catano and Amy Chapman who were extremely busy in the early stages. It really set the foundation for that Queensland side. And when they did get the first goal with Bella Habuda picking out Shea Connors on the far post for a really good finish back across goal to open the scoring, it was most certainly deserved and they were well on top Queensland at that point. They were, and uh, yeah, like I said, you did mention as well. Not only, not only that, uh, yeah, the players we mentioned, but yeah, Catano uh, and Amy Chapman, you know, marched that midfield. They were just, they were just overrunning them. Um, and like I said, it could have been, it could have been uh, two or three nil before before halftime break. But the one thing that sort of, I guess, um, the, 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 we did mention both these games were played under interchange rules, uh, which I think for Queensland, I actually think that was a real sort of um, downer on that because um, Alex Bundelow went to the um, to the interchange bench fairly early. Yeah, uh, Ricatano sort of came off, uh, brought on uh, Lani Fryer, and then there was sort of a number of changes. Uh, the weather as well was horrendous at that stage. So I think a couple of players actually were happy to uh, to get, get a break. But um, yeah, I think for Queensland, that really sort of, you know, changed the game as far as, you know, their, their momentum and sort of their control uh, sort of really started to slip. I was looking at that interchange at the moment because both games took it very, very differently. In the first game, you saw consistent interchanging of players. It was in the first half, it started for about 20 minutes and it kept going all the way through the game. There was obviously a lot of subs on the bench for Queensland and Alex Bundelow took the took the policy of, I'm going to give everyone some time out in the field. And you can completely understand that given they were selected to an all-star side, you want to get them on the field and get them a taste of it. So I can understand that. But in the men's game, it was very much more like a substitution rule. Yeah, you mentioned Lockalingo went off and came back on. And there were little instances of that, but it was very much more treated like a traditional interchange rule, which was, I found, I found that more... In, I found that better in terms of the fact that it kept the flow of the game. But you're right, when Queensland did make those changes in the women's game in the first half, it did, you could see it did change the way things along with the weather. Yeah, look, that's the thing is in the men's game, yeah, it was about, it was about 70 minutes uh, before for Luke Walsh decided to sort of you know, play the interchange. So sort of, whereas, um, whereas, yeah, in, in, it, was, it was sort of constant from about the 20th minute onwards that there was always going to be interchange in the women's game. And yeah, it did sort of, yeah, it did disrupt the flow of the game. Um, but look, Queensland were doing well enough in the first half that they were able to cover it. But um, look, I, I don't know what Jason Egar said uh, at the break, but whatever he said to to his uh, his women's team, you know, in the dress sheds for the second half, obviously worked. He should bottle that speech, whatever he said, and bring that out more often because it was absolutely worked a treat. You're right. So they scored two goals in the first ten minutes of the second half. McNulty got the first one after a real full court pressure. Described as Adam in terms of the way they were pressuring Queensland in the defensive zone to force the mistake. They did force the mistake from Shuttleworth and a really good finish from McNulty for the first of those goals. And then the second one from Jasmos. This was a fantastic strike and it really did flip the game on its head. And it, it seemed like the air went out of the crowd at that point because there was a good crowd in attendance at that point of the afternoon. And it seemed like New South Wales had really flipped the script. Yeah, um, look, the first goal, like, we, at the time, we sort of, and I think a lot of people said, oh, that's a, that's a, a terrible mistake from. Um, from Izzy uh, Shuttleworth in, in goal, but looking back at it, look, I just think it was just a case of um, just yeah, that full court press, as I, as, as I described it, that, you know, there was, a, there was, a, there was the second attempt that, you know, where they really sort of pressured um, her sort of out playing out the back. And the second time it uh, paid, you know, maximum dividends with, um, with Hannah McNulty sort of you know, firing away and scoring pretty much into an empty net. Um, but even still, she had to sort of, you know, time it and, you know, and take the shot immediately before getting shut down. So it was actually a very good goal. As far as the second goal, um, Jordan Jasnos, uh, look, she, we know she's a quality player. She's a, she's a uh, junior Matilda and she took a goal very, very well. It's to sort of, yeah, and I don't think um, Shuttleworth could do much about that. It was a just nice low shot, you know, across, you know, across the face of goal. And um, yeah, it was it, the game just just absolutely flipped on its head, and um, you're right. It was like wow, you know, it, this is a massive you know counterattack from uh, New South Wales in the space of five minutes. Absolutely, you're right about the goal. The, the second one from Jordan Jasmos. There's no way any goalkeeper is going to stop that. It was perfectly struck right into the corner of the side netting. Of it, it was absolutely perfect. And I think you're right about McNulty as well. It was that was that was. It looked a simple finish, but it, I don't think it was because mm. to control that. A lot of players would have hit that and it would have gone over the bar. Yeah. And for to be able to control that, it actually is a really good finish. And that did give New South, New South Wales something to hold on to. 
and it looked like they were going to because Queensland were pushing forward consistently, but they weren't quite as fluent as they had been in the first half for the most majority of the second half until Tegan Riding managed to pop up and slip a little pass through to Shea Connors, who scored from close range of running on rushing goalkeeper to level up the scores. And at that point, we talked about New South Wales had the momentum in the men's game. Queensland certainly had it in the women's game after that. Yeah, they um, did. And look, um, yeah, uh, Brown Richardson goal for uh, New South Wales. She had, a, she had a very good game. Um, and, and, um, and, and yeah, look, it was a case of... Actually, I think it might have been um, the backup keeper that might have been Yes, they did time. make a goalkeeper change just before that happened. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, more to the point as well. And I don't think that was a mistake on, on her part, but... Uh, but uh, but yeah, look, uh, it, it's sort of where the game sort of pulled back for Queensland was once they actually got you know Habuda back in the in the in the game, uh, riding uh, Connors was back, uh, and that's sort of where um, it's sort of sort of changed on a dime. They they just had to, to conjure something, and um, and in the end they they were able to sort of you know, ride their luck and shake Connors there again. So four four goals during the uh, festival of football, and um, and yeah, look, she. Uh, yeah, like I think again, we'll say about just Lofthouse uh, before uh, about you know sort of game recognition. I think also Shay Connors, as far as the W go, uh, goes, I think she might have sort of you know put put her names up in sort of lights as far as you know a potential W League move for any club that may want her. Absolutely, we saw Shay Connors play in the W League at the very end of last season for the Brisbane Roar. They chose not to pick her up again this year, and certainly you're right in the festival of football and even in the NPL this season when she was fit and healthy was a regular goal scorer. So I'm certain there's a player there. For any W League team who wants to pick her up, along with you mentioned Bella Habuda and Cannon Clough, and there's a few other players on that New South Wales side as well who could very well find their way into a side going forward. But it was right when Queensland went back to that starting 11, basically, which started the game. When they they brought all the players on, then they went back to the starting line, which worked so well, and that was when they got back into it. And they did finish the game with some strong momentum, but they weren't quite able to get the winning goal at them. Yeah, and they, they sort of they push hard for that winner. Um, I think they sort of, in a way, want to sort of wrap it up in 90. Again, um, no, no one wants to play for penalties unless, you know, you absolutely have to be, you know, because, you know, you're short, you're short players you know, at the end. Um, but, yeah, you, they, there was a certain you know, urgency. They just, just couldn't find that, uh, that go-ahead goal. Absolutely. So it did go all the way to penalties for the first of the two games last night because they both did go to penalties. And this one... Queensland were able to get it on top, Adam, by five goals to four. It went to seven penalties. We had a couple of misses each in the original five. So for New South Wales, Sutar, McNulty, Minnett and Volkanovski, along with Tanaka, all scored. Minnett and Chocolan missed. Chocolan was the final penalty of the game. So that was the winning save from Isabel Shuttleworth. For Queensland, Person, Person, Amos, Connors, Dixon and Clough all managed to find a score sheet. Tegan Riding and Amy Chapman were not able to be successful. So, again, all these are regular penalty takers throughout the competition now. So it's not like they chose the wrong players to take the penalties. It's just, once again, there was some great goalkeeping on display. Yeah, and um, as I said, you look at the two names from Queensland who missed uh, their penalty. So Tegan Riding and Amy Chapman, again, um, you, you, like I said, you back them nine out of ten times to, to score from the spot, especially in a in a regular in a regular game. So yeah, it's again, I, I don't think there was any issues with the selections as far as who takes what penalty. I think they all you know put their hand up. Um, there was obviously a bit of tactics uh, with uh, Shay Connors being the number five. Uh, in, in, the, in the shootout order, being you know, probably the one to, to clean it up and you know, win the game. Um, but yeah, look, at the end of the day, uh, it was a fantastic save by Isabel Shuttleworth to um, to basically, yeah, to to seal the game for Cannon Cloth to go and uh, go up the other, well, not the other end, but to take the next uh, attempt to uh, seal it for Queensland. And um, yeah, look, it was a fantastic achievement. But like I said, the men's game, you know, obviously a bit of parochialism, you know, as far as being a Queenslander, it was great to see, but Look again. Um, that's that's no no uh, reflection on New South Wales. I thought they were, they were tremendous as well. And again, another entertaining game. And you know, look, it's commiserations to New South Wales, but uh, congratulations to the Queenslanders who won the um, the Watson um, O'Connor Cup. Absolutely, and I have to take your word for that final stuff from Bella Shuttleworth because I live covering <laughs> it for for our social media was very very difficult. I think I looked up just as the ball was about a meter from her and. I saw the save, but I didn't quite recognise the, the greatness of it until I got home. But it was some great goalkeeping. And Isabel Shuttleworth certainly came into her own in that shootout, didn't she? 
Yeah, look, and I was actually, uh, truth told, I was actually uh, up the up the end of the building uh, taking a video, and I sort of had to stop myself you now to, to not celebrate that because obviously no one wants to see uh, a shaky bloody camera <laughs> when you're trying to record on my iPhone. So, so yeah, but no, uh, it was a very, very good save. And, you know, look, she, she has come on leaps and bounds in the last year, and I think uh, she has got a big future ahead of her as well, Charlotte. And this, and this will only uh, confidence. She's got you know, a huge, you know, sort of, you know, so cult following, I know, at, at Lions, um, very, very popular player. And, um, look, she's only going to get better um, over time. And, look, it's, it's been a real pleasure seeing her develop over over the last you know, a year or so. Absolutely. And you might not have thrown out, but I most certainly did. And so did all the players <laughs> out on the field after yeah. the game. And speaking of after the game, we caught up very briefly after the game with the coach of Queensland, Alex Bundelow, and two goal scorer, Shea Connors. Let's see what they both had to say after the win last night over New South Wales. Yeah. Right, we're talking about the coach of Queensland, Alex Bundler. Alex, two all drawing regular time penalties. How do you describe that? Look, it, it makes it interesting, makes it exciting for the crowd. Yeah, uh, it's never a good way to lose by penalties. But in, in my honest opinion, I think on the balance of play from the beginning of the game to the end of the game, in the first half, we probably missed three or four good chances. So I would say that on the balance of play, it's a deserving result for the Queensland team and for us. Yeah. I was going to say that because in the first half, you scored a really good goal and we're in front and dominating the game. But they scored two goals early in the second half. Did that really change things for you in terms of uh, the way the slide went about it? No, no. We, we always believe we could we, we could play and win, win our way out of the game. And if you notice, even in the last five, ten minutes, we were pushing for that goal. We didn't they really want to go to penalties. So, yeah. so, so we always believed we could win. We, we scored a goal and we nearly scored one at the end there to finish as well. So um, I, think, I think it's a good result for us. I'm very, very happy. Did you practice penalties midweek? We didn't practice because we didn't think we were going to go to penalties. We honestly believe that we could win this game in, 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 in the 90 minutes. And just finally, what's it been like to work with this group of players over the last couple of weeks? So obviously, some great players that you had at your disposal today. I just want to say honestly and genuinely, thank you, Football Queensland, Kappa, uh, to bring the girls together, a, a brilliant bunch of girls, the coaching staff, Rob Askew, Ray Dower. Um, it was honestly two weeks of a really, really enjoyable football experience. So, um, it was just awesome. I loved it. I loved it. I think congratulations. We're talking about two goals for a shake. I'm going to you talking to us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. How was that experience at that Something I imagine you're not too familiar with sort of a state versus state proposition. Yeah, I've actually never played anything like that. It kind of felt like youth nationals or something kind of thing. So it was really ex- exciting to be a part of that. I've seen two goals yourself. That must be nice to hit the scoreboard once again. Oh, yeah, it felt good. felt good, definitely. Um, but teammates put me in good position, so I was thankful for that. And the second goal was really important as well, late in the, late in the second half to get the into penalties as well. Oh, yeah. So, oh, I was so relieved. Everyone's like, why did you stay on the ground so long? I was like, I was trying to take it in. I was like, that was good. Let me just have a breath. <laughs> But yeah. Are you confident with penalties? You certainly took that one quite nicely. Oh, I, I am. I put my hand up. I, I originally was like, oh, I'll just take the first one. They're like, no, we'll take the fifth because we thought that would be the, the deciding penalty. So I was like, okay. But yeah. And just the atmosphere, so how did you find that as, a, as an atmosphere? Oh, it was so great, especially for female football. I think it's growing like everywhere around the world, but especially here. And it felt so good to have such a big crowd, um, especially in the second half, which was so nice. Absolutely. And um, congratulations. Everyone. Oh, thank Enjoy you so season. much. Oh, yeah, thank you. It'll be nice. <laughs> so it was a very happy captain and coach. So coach and dual goal scorer after the game last night. Apologies for the briefness of those interviews, along with the background noise. There was a bit of a quick turnaround between the two games last night, so we apologise for that. But what are your thoughts on this whole festival of football, Adam? Now that we've seen, we've seen the seen the three weeks. It's the first year football queens that have launched this festival of football. It started off with the grand finals two weeks ago, along with the all-star games last week and then the state v state games last night. It seemed to have gone really well from my point of view and the the support for it has been quite strong. Yeah, look, um, I think... It, it's it's going to be hard to judge because obviously the timing of the year and obviously this is a very very unique set of circumstances. Look, having local football in December is just absolutely unheard of, uh, especially given the fact is that you know usually a lot of the, a lot of the clubs have done had completed their uh, their trials. They've actually started preseason training. Uh, if you're Penn Power, they're probably a week away from a preseason friendly. So in in recent years, so um, it's a very unique uh, set of circumstances as far as the, in isolation. Look, I think it's been it's been fantastic. I think congratulations to Football Queensland. Uh, a thank you to Football New South Wales as far as the the third league of this for really you know putting you know really sort of, you know 
embracing it as far as you know, giving as much uh, support as possible. Look, it's, I think as far as you know, mainstream sort of as far as advertising goes, I think it's still a few people. I think it still probably needs to get further reach, but within the community, I think it's been received very, very well. And look, it was enjoyable three weeks. Um, the, the grand final is always going to be a special occasion. Uh, the All Star Games last week, you know, obviously, you know, have you know, seen Brisbane Raw sort of, you know, really, you know, first time against, you know, you know, top opposition. That, that was a sort of, you know, an you know, a sighter into, you know, what, what's up ahead. And and look, last night, I think this the state v state concept. I think it's something that is it's different, it's unique. I think it also um, it's a platform for those players who are vying for A League contracts or W League contracts, as say the women. Um, I think it's a, it's a concept. I think that you know that you can get behind as, as well as you know have some pride. Like you always have pride for your club. Um, and look, a lot of these players are not going to play for their country. Let's face it. So at least I have something to say. You know, I represent my state. Um, for a lot of these players, it's going to be a memory that you now a lot of them will sort of treasure as well. You know, and hopefully for a lot of players, it is a shop. It's another shop window, another pathway, as they say, um, to, to for, the, for, the, for the next generation. And you would hope that a number of performances last night would actually, you know, have you know, professional clubs not only here but maybe even abroad to um, sit up and take notice. It's certainly been a great direction. I agree with you about echoing the sentiments of congratulations to Football Queensland and Football New South Wales for jumping on board with the third leg, as you mentioned. The grand finals were always going to be great, you mentioned. And I think the um, the All-Star Games, I think they were a really good fixture for the for the Queensland sides to have as a lead-in to last night's games. It was good to be able to get the players together for an extended period of time. You heard the coaches and the captains and the players talking about it there. Whenever they were talk, asked about it, it was something that they were really enjoyed playing and training with people they go up against each week. So I think having that week, that extra week, I should say, to get the players to be in a little bit more in tune with each other was really beneficial. And last night was absolutely fantastic. Go about football, New South Wales. They were fully on board with this. It wasn't just Football Queensland's idea and New South Wales taking part. They were fully on board with it. And I think that's what gives me hope, Adam, that this hope this could continue as a more regular thing, as I mentioned, it's been 17 years since we've had this fixture on the calendar. And I do think with the the way both states bought into it, along with the fans last night at, at Parc de Paris, it was a great atmosphere last night. And I do think that gives hope that it will continue. And, you, and I, also, I also think that you're right about the fact that a lot of these players won't play at the net higher level. And this gives them a representative jersey. Whether they're from Queensland or they're not from Queensland, they were selected, at, all New South Wales for that matter, they were selected as the best players in their league for the 2020 season. And as such, they get a representative honour. And that's something they should be extremely proud of. I'm sure they all are. And you'd have to say to a player, they all they all performed at an extremely high level. And it was a, a fantastic couple of weeks of football. Yeah, look, that's, that's, you're right. You're right to that point. It's a representative honour, and um, obviously, so listening to uh, Gary Wilkins, um, obviously, you know, raw club patron and uh, and sort of the legend of Queensland football, and the most capped uh, Queensland player, and sort of the passion he speaks about, and also also go go acknowledge Heather Reed as well for um, New South Wales, who spoke at the presentation for the. Uh, Women's game. And both those legends uh, within the game. They so they they spoke about the importance of this state v state. And look, I know that obviously there will be questions about oh whether Victoria or South Australia or any of the other states. But yeah, you know, I think you know Queensland, New South Wales. They've always been linked by history. You know the men's the men's have been going out for 130 years as far as the, that was the first recorded game. Um, obviously, a long hiatus. But um, yeah, I think it's it's a representative honour as well. It's it like it's a. You can be named to a, to a team, team of the year, all you like, now, but it's a paper team. But to actually play in a side, you know, in a representative nature um, as well. And but look, and as, as Ben Carl said in his interview as well, it was a real sort of treat to actually be able to coach players that he would only coach against. So for him to actually, you know, to have this group of players, it's, it's sort of in a way it's a shame that there was a number of players for both um, both states had to pull out. Um, but that's probably um, from the timing of it as well. That, you know, look, it's, I think we haven't said enough about a lot of some of these players, you know, an absolute, you know, marvellous effort for them to be up for 14 months in some cases. And, um, and yeah, look, to, to give it all right to the end, right to the, you know, the 12th of December, and they probably started back in October 2019. Look, you just got to take your hat off for them. They, and you know what? They deserve a long break and you know, a good arm. And I hope they enjoy their time away because uh, they have earned it. Absolutely. We should mention FFA 
Chief Executive James Johnson was also there last night. It was yep. great to see him supporting a local game as well. But you mentioned for Queensland that was the case. It's been 14 months, a long and exhausting season, and you're right about giving the players absolute congratulations for, for the physical and mental strength to continue on even after the season finished to play out these games and play out them so well. But for New South Wales, Adam, they had a much more truncated season in terms of their NPL season. Obviously, COVID-19 shut down football everywhere, but they only played one round of their their season. They've had 16 games and finals and finished a good couple of months ago. So for them, they're now in a pre-season. So from their perspective, they had to raise their game and intensity to this level. They deserve credit for that as well. Yeah, no, we, hit, we did hear, um, we turned chat to uh, FQ commentator Simon Smale yesterday. He was saying that, you know, some of these players had uh, had uh, not played for uh, nine weeks since the end of the se- their season. So to, to get up and now and really to be competitive, like that, I thought that was a very good effort. But also as well, one one more thing is uh, how, how good was it to have um, Simon Hill commentate, you know, on the festival of football as well. I think he would have, he would have, you know, his notoriety, you know, and he is, he is the voice of Australian football. There's no doubting about that. And to, to ha- have him lend his voice to the soundtrack of, of you know, the last three weeks of the festival of football, I think that, that was a great coup for um, football Queensland as well. So, um, yeah, look, it's, it, it's, a, it's a great time. I think the last three weeks have been, been fantastic. Um, I'd, I'd be very, very interested to see what would happen, you know, if you had this festival of football in, say, October, you know, when, when well, after the season finishes and we're sort of, you know, even you know, more competitive, you know, obviously as far as, you know, players are just coming straight out of their finals into, into this representative. I think it even raises the raise stand again. So, look, I think it's, as great as it was this year, I actually think that, you know, this, this format could even be better in, in future years, especially if there's more buy-in and a lot more sort of rivalry as far as, you know, real sort of, you know, I don't want to say hatred, but, you know, real sort of pride. Um, between the two states, because I think you know this is a concept that can really that the fans can get behind, because it is it is something different, and that's what you want in football. Sometimes you just want you just want a point of difference. I know there's a bit of hatred watching over New South Wales listening to the trophy last night, but it was you're right about <laughs> Simon Hill. I think him being involved certainly would have brought eyeballs to both the grand finals two weeks ago and the game last night. But we'll finish up. Where do you think this does fit into the Australian football calendar? We know it's going to be an evolving beast in the next couple of years with the A-League moving gradually towards a winter season alignment with the state leagues. We've got the, F- the FA Cup or whatever it's going to be called, the Australia Cup, coming back next year. We've got obviously the NPL seasons. We may have the NPL National Final Series. Where do you think this this concept fits in in terms of the state v. state things? Do you see, do you, could you see potentially Victoria v. South Australia being added to this and we have a couple of different games throughout it? Not mixing it up every year, just those those two sort of matchups, Queensland, New South Wales, South Australia, Victoria, as two standalone matches at the end of the season. That's where I see it personally. I see it. I think you keep an NPL National Final Series because that rewards the clubs who've had the best seasons in that competition. And maybe you play this in in that time period with those players unfortunately not being available. Yeah, I, look, I think there can be a lot of scope of where this could go. Um, and there, look, there's no reason, uh, for example, why they couldn't have this say, for example, in June. Um, if if you have if you have sort of you know as far as across the board, as far as you know, New South uh, football, New South Wales football, Queensland, if they if they agree to a window, you know, where they play no games and they actually had this rep rep game, there's no reason why they can't put it at the start of the season, the middle of the season, the end of the season. So I think there's a lot a lot you can do. And it comes down to the desire of the two governing bodies and how much they want to push this. But look, I'd be fascinated to see this, you know, in a window similar to what, you know, State of Origin is in the NRL, that, you know, it, it's a it's your own standalone um, event. You got you, get, you can pick the best players that are absolutely available at the time. Um, yeah, and it's yeah, it's fine. I think this format, I think it has a lot of of legs as far as you know being able. I I sort of was leaning towards you know, oh maybe I should uh, call the national finals. But look to your point, I actually agree with you that you know I think it's important to reward um, those clubs who you know did win the, their premiership to at least then represent the state in a different way as as a group as a collective group of players you know representing that club. I know uh, Peninsula Power very disappointed that you know they didn't. Uh, that they didn't get the honour of uh, be able to represent Queensland in this year because obviously with the uh, issues with COVID and all the state border, border closures. So um, maybe maybe hopefully that they will actually get a chance, you know, maybe next year to uh, to do that 
either by winning outright or be given you know, a chance, you know, because they missed out this year. But yeah, I think I think that those anything that has variety other than your run of the mill league and that I think you know players get buying it because it's something different. You know, it's another trophy, and you know, look, who doesn't want another trophy? Absolutely. And final question: Would you keep it to players based in the particular league, or would you open it up to? players from that particular state, regardless of what where they play in the MPL, being eligible to, to represent their state? Because I think that's another really interesting point. Do you just keep it as the best of your league and as an, like an all-star reward and a representative team from your state, or do you start picking the best players from your, from your state, regardless of where they play? Because I would probably go with the former. I liked the format of last night a bit more than the, the where they're from, because that's just copying that other small thing the NRL do. Yeah, look, I absolutely agree with you on that. Now, I was, was going to say the same thing that I, I agree that you know it should be the best of your league. There's always been the age-old argument for as long as I've been following the the, the game here in Australia that you know, oh, what is the best league? Is it Victoria? Yeah, is it New South Wales? Yeah, Queensland's obviously you know at times you know, has been deriders saying that you know their standards not as good. You know, I. Yeah, I, I've always disagreed, especially in more recent times. Um, that I think that the Queens, the best players playing in Queensland in 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 this league, can match it with um, with the best from New South Wales, from Victoria, and South Australia. I've I've always said that. You know, and this now is actual proof that you know they can compete. Um, yeah, look, it'll be, it'll be interesting what Victoria and South Australia do because I think they as well. I think they've got a very very healthy rivalry themselves. Um, and yeah, as far as having those. Those are uh, those states as well. Um, I, yeah, that, that's where it gets very interesting about you know how you how you'd include them or whether you say you know what you guys are your own thing. Queensland, New South Wales, they're partnered up you know at least for the foreseeable future. They're gonna they're gonna have you know a rivalry to really build this up, which is sort of tradition at the end of the day. Um, and and yeah, and just I think you just gotta keep on building. I just I just hope that you know that. Yeah, this this uh, concept is around for a while because I think yeah, like I said, you have nights like last night. Um, I very very happily go down to Sydney, you know, in you know, I was going to say a year's time, but whenever the next one to to cover it because I think I I believe in this concept. I think it's a great concept. Um, and it's something different away from the normal you know MPL sort of level season or the A League. Absolutely, I think all those all those queens down in Victoria would certainly help. That's I got quite well. But that's a story for a whole another day, Adam. We might have yep. to. Wrap this up now. It does bring to, to an end the, the MPL Sunday Show for 2020. We, we won't go through the full thank yous. We did that again two weeks ago after the Grand Finals. It's been great to bring it to you, Adam, and we look forward to bringing it back to people again early next year. Oh, sure. Well, it's been, it's been a lot of fun, you know, to be able to focus on the league. I think there's a lot of stories that, you know, that obviously need to be told, you know, as far as, you know, having this, you know, be able to give, give uh, the right spotlight to the local league. It's been fun and we can't wait to all again uh, ne- next year. Absolutely. In the meantime, if you're interested, the A League does kick off in late Dece- early late December, just after Christmas. So if you want Allegedly. to watch that, it's coming up in about 15 days' time. Otherwise, we'll talk to you all again when the NPL kicks off again in the early part of 2021.